1: People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu from Blue Wire Podcasts.
0: in the know the bourbon street shots podcast we're your hosts Shemit duup and mason ginsburg and this is all pelicans all the time Welcome to In the Know. We are joined by Steph No. He is a former Bulls writer for the Athletic, and currently, you may have seen some of his basketball quizzes that he's put on um, on Twitter, and to test your knowledge of defense and various X's and O's. Um, what's up, Steph? How you doing? I understand you're in you're in and have been in New Orleans. What's up, my man?
1: Doing great. I'm very flattered that you guys named this podcast after me. It's very kind of you. Glad of to be here.
0: Yeah, man. So, you know, we, we got Steph on to talk about bulls and I think the bulls are one of the more interesting teams out there this season. One, they hired new management, which is really surprising. They hired a new coach along with that management, which is also, I think something Steph was excited about. Um, If you followed him on Twitter, you you could have some fun times reading about uh, Boylan and and the past year and then they have a pretty big decision coming up with the draft so i guess we can kind of what we'd like to do is is we start off slow and so how did you become a a bulls fan and what was your journey towards covering them and and, and into where you are now
1: well i didn't really have a choice i'm 36 so uh you know, I was in middle school during the second three-peed of the Jordan Bulls, and if you grew up in Chicago, I, I grew up in a suburb of Chicago, uh, you were kind of just forced into it, uh, so I was I was stuck with these uh, Reinsdorf teams growing up, and I kind of never really grew out of it. Um, started writing about the Bulls just in my spare time uh, over at SB Nation at Blogable, and then I parlayed that. Actually, I was the... The first guy over at the athletic doing basketball stuff so their first city that they were in was Chicago so I kind of built up um, their Bulls coverage there did that for four years and yeah now uh, with COVID going on they um, laid off all of their part-timers so I'm I guess looking for the next thing I have this Bulls newsletter going on right now that's free to sign up if people want to people listen to this and enjoy my Bulls takes you can always uh, find that at my Substack page and uh yeah i guess that's that's my full um full story
2: it, it's it's ironic almost since uh, i'm uh, i'm up in chicago uh doing pelican stuff and you're down in new orleans doing doing bull stuff um <laughs> but um is there uh what, what's it how's, how's new orleans been treating you i think that's something that most of our listeners can relate to so you've been down there for a while um liking it uh what's any any uh, any favorite parts of the city or things to do
1: yeah, Mason, we gotta we gotta come up with some swap here. Where every time I go home for the holidays, I bring you some crawfish, and every time you you know you, know, you come home, uh, you bring me some pizza or something. But uh, yeah, I, you know, the first time I was in New Orleans was in 2011. It was a couple of years after Katrina. I actually came down here to um, volunteer through an Americorps project, and I kind of, uh, I the, you know, the city is so interesting. It's just so unlike any other American city, I'm sure. Uh, Mason, like you living in Chicago, it's just, um, I mean, they're two totally different cities. So uh, definitely a lot of cool stuff. I've uh, enjoyed living here over, so it's been four years this stint and I had another uh, two years on and off. So kind of keeps on uh, pulling me in.
0: Yeah, that's just how New Orleans is. It sucks you in and next thing you know, you've been here for many, many years and you're wondering where all the time went and it's basically in its own little... Time, space, dimension—it's uh, the way I like to consider it. But pretty cool that you know you've been down here a little bit, and um, and we'll definitely work on Mason getting you some pizza. But he's got to bring me some first, which he has yet to do. Uh, we'll, we'll, no, we'll work on that. We, we don't have ramen pizza here yet, Shemett. Yeah. Well, I thought Chicago was supposed to be a hub of food innovation. Clearly, they don't respect <laughs> my artistry. Um, in any case, Steph. Uh, you guys had major changes. Um, Walk us through what you make of the hiring of Carsonovas and the hiring of Billy Donovan and kind of the drastic direction change the bulls made when, you know, they had the whole guard packs thing for the longest time and no one really expected this to come to fruition, especially with Jim Boylan.
1: So I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, um, This story, this fable, uh, The Monkey's Paw. But uh, it's about this person who gets this monkey's paw and gets a bunch of wishes, but the wishes turn out uh, incredibly awful. So, like, my dream growing up was always to write about basketball, made it happen. But then, uh, right when I started, it was like during this season where the Bulls were doing this horrendous tank where they actually got reprimanded by the league for sitting out all their veterans. And they just missed out on Luka Doncic in that draft. Uh, they got Wendell Carter, which is great. But, I mean, it's been, like, pretty much a gigantic disaster for the past four years. Uh, it's been, in my opinion, largely driven by management, Gar and Pax. And I was, uh, you know, like, my goal when I started writing about the Bulls was – to kind of show like how bad these guys were and how they were holding this franchise back that had so many things going for it. And just like terrible decision-making. So yes, I was absolutely thrilled when um, Bulls finally moved on from these guys and, you know, anybody who's even paying cursory attention to the NBA has seen how crazy things were with Jim Boylan over the past year and a half as well. So uh, you know, I think that the Bulls have some interesting young players. They have definitely underperformed the past couple of years, but so much of that, I think, is just due to this insane situation that they had uh, around coaching staff, management, just not putting players in a position to succeed. Uh, so, yes, I am extremely excited. I think that Billy Donovan just I don't think that he's necessarily like a top five coach or anything, but just having a level of competency and professionalism there is going to be. Uh, so advantageous for these young players who've not really had that yet. And then, yeah, Carnes you know, we, we really don't know that much about him. I mean, his resume is stellar, but uh, so far, I mean, he's made all the right moves and this is, it, it's hard for me to envision possibly uh, not moving up significantly from what the Bulls had before. So it's definitely a very exciting time to be a Bulls fan.
0: Yeah, it definitely sounds like you picked up some fans along the way with your writing, including our favorite scout man, um, huh. who was a big fan of your work it seems yeah <laughs> but the you're right the bulls are, are trending in a, a very positive direction and i agree that having a coach like billy donovan where you know what you're getting out of him brings this baseline competency is super important when you have a team as young as the bulls because it kind of gives you this opportunity to see what you have whereas you might be always second guessing yourself when you have coaching that is inadequate right. you know, you don't know what you have with Laurie Mark and you don't know what you have with Wendell Carter Jr. And then you bring the stabilizing force. Um, you know, these guys are going to be out for extension and big money soon. And you have to kind of figure out where you stand with these players and, and what, if they're going to be a part of your future. And so I think with that regard, it was a home run hire to, to bring in Billy Donovan. There's, that's a, that's a very coach, very good coach to bring in. Um, there's a pretty big decision coming up very soon within less than two weeks. And that is the number four pick. And just want to get an idea of where you think the bulls are. There's been a lot of smoke up and down, right? So it's like, okay, well, maybe, you know, they, they want to move up and get LaMelo or, or they're fine where they are. Or, you know, maybe we're going to lean on a more European connection based off of uh Carcinova's, his, um, his draft history or his, at least the history that was in Denver, you know, they, they drafted a lot of foreign players. Maybe, you know, it's, it's Denny Optia that they're going for. So what, where do you think the Bulls are with that? And are they looking for a specific need, a specific talent? Um, what are your thoughts?
1: I think it's really instructive uh, how these last couple of months have gone. The first months of uh, Carter's tenure in that uh, there was a lot of speculation in Chicago that Jim Boylan was going to coach next season. And then all of a sudden, it caught everyone off guard when was fired him. There was a lot of speculation that uh, Karnashovas was going to really take his time hiring a general manager. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, uh, they hired Mark Eversley from the Sixers. And then nobody thought that they were going over Billy Donovan, and then they got him. Uh, so the reason why I bring this stuff up is... Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about what the Bulls are going to do in the draft. Um, I've seen reports that they're going to move up for Lamelo. I've seen reports that they're going to trade back. John Hollinger today predicted that they're going to take um, Halliburton. You know, Abdia has been speculated to them too a lot because of that European connection, as you talked about. But the truth of the matter is that nobody knows what the Bulls are going to do. Uh, Karnaschovas has been extremely tight-lipped. There have been no leaks coming out of the Bulls organization. And basically what has happened is he tells Woj, he has a relationship with Woj. So he tells Woj right before he's about to do something, Woj tweets it out. And then everybody, all the Chicago media scrambles to figure out what's going on. So, uh, you know, I really have no idea what they're going to do. Um, I think that, you know, obviously the top three and most mocks is, um, you know, some combination of ball Edwards and Wiseman. So, uh, you know, I think that if I certainly have guys that I like, but I don't really know who apart from, you know, those top three, the Bulls would take.
0: So you built a quiz though, that allows you to figure out what your potential draft profile may be. And and what did your draft profile say that you'd be looking for it for?
1: Yeah, the quiz I made was uh, really interesting. The reason why I built that was to show how, strong your internal biases are in determining what kind of players you like and it was really surprising to me a lot of people who took that quiz said that it basically nailed their draft order which i don't really think is necessarily a good thing um you know these biases you need to be really cognizant of because it clouds your judgment of how talented a player actually is so for instance for me like i know that i have a strong bias against big men i just don't think that you know you should waste a high pick on them and i really like these um kind of jack-of-all-trades guys I don't like, big scores. Like, I'm, I'm not a huge Levine fan, even though I can respect the good things that he does for the Bulls. So, uh, you know, I <laughs> I probably very much overrate a guy like Devin Vassell. Uh, I like Killian Hayes a lot. And, you know, again, like, this is just, uh, I think it's a lot of just our individual draft takes are a reflection of just these archetypes that we tend to fall in love with.
0: So there was a report recently that came out with regards to Wendell Carter Jr. And I think it was on the, the low post and they had the draft guys, uh, Mike Schmitz and, and Jonathan Gavoni And they said the intel is that the Bulls are higher on Laurie Marketing and he's considered a somewhat more untouchable than, than Wendell Carter Jr., which is, I think, surprising to a lot of Twitter folks who are high on, on Wendell Carter Jr., for, for good reason, you know, he's been a good player when healthy. Um, his advanced metrics are pretty solid. He's a really good defender. What do you make of that report that came out? Do you, do you feel like there's validity to it? And you know, you guys are an interesting situation here. Do you, do you see a potential for him to get moved or, or either of those players to get moved?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I know that Zach is really well connected in the league, but I do not really take too much stock Into uh, I didn't listen to the podcast, so I don't know if it was Zach saying that or Gavoni. But um, you know, uh, one of my one of my friends, uh, Kevin Faragin, who's also a huge Bulls guy, he suggested this theory, which kind of makes sense to me that the Bulls were floating um, Markin as having higher value than Carter because you know if they're if they're going to leverage their position to make a trade in the draft, they have to act like they are not as high on Carter because it, um, you know, they they want to create the uh, threat of taking a guy like Wiseman or a Kongwu, and if they say that you know Carter is their guy, then that kind of lowers those other two prospects on their board in the eyes of other teams. So I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, like, uh, but it kind of makes sense to me. And again, like the this front office has been so airtight, I just don't really. I, I've have seen a lot of speculation out there since Karnasovas took over. None of it has been accurate, so I'm just going by that prior and assuming that, <laughs> until proven elsewise, nobody really knows what they're talking about.
2: Do you have a preferred? And I know this question can be difficult because um, you know I, I always hate the oh, would you rather trade up or trade down questions because it, it's, it's all relative, right? Depends on what's coming back, but right. Um, the, you know, is there? Is, is there a path in your mind that makes you strongly think that trading out of the, the number four pick is the right move or, or do you have someone at four that you feel like should be there and you'd be ecstatic at the Bulls
1: token? Well, yeah, I mean, speaking to your point, I actually wrote something about this on my sub stack where I just think that this is going to be such an interesting market. I think there's going to be so much discussion from all the teams going in both directions. So I really don't think that you should pin yourself to one direction. If, if you want to maximize the value of this draft, I think you will definitely be able to do it if you're willing to be flexible. But uh I mean uh to give you a more concrete answer, I think that one trade partner that makes a ton of sense for the Bulls is the Celtics. They have three first round picks and there's already been some reporting that they're trying to package those to move up in the draft. They can't really fit three rookies on their roster obviously like if they're yeah, they're going to be contending um pretty strongly for a title next year. So, I think their picks are I want to say like 14,
0: 26, and 30.
1: Yeah, so there's, there are these very various models out there. Um, Dick Restifo's built one. Kevin Pelton's built one. Uh, I think Jacob Goldstein has another one, and I, I plugged those values in, and uh, it comes out as like a small win for the Bulls in terms of uh, expected value. Obviously, like all drafts are different, but I think that would make a lot of sense for the Bulls just because of the composition of this draft. You hear that there's going to be value in the middle and back end of the first round. There's just going to be, this is like a role player draft, right? Like the, the talent at the top is not really that great, but uh, the talent in the middle and the back end uh, seems to be like actually pretty solid. So the, the bulls are in such a a talent deficit too. Like they can definitely fit three first round picks on this roster and find playing time for them. So I think that uh, that would make a lot of sense if, they are offered that position. You know, you don't know if the Celtics have, have gone down as far as four and in, in offering those picks, but that deal is on the table. I think it makes sense. Also, you know, obviously the one and two pick are being pretty heavily shopped here. So if the price gets low enough where uh, you know, the bulls, the bulls have some win now veterans like that young Tomas, Sadaransky, that they're not really going to do anything with those guys because by the time they're competing, um, those guys aren't going to be on the roster anymore. So if those guys and maybe like a second round pick or something like that can help you move up, if that's like the, the price gets that low, then I think it makes a lot of sense. The bulls could definitely use a guy like uh Lamello ball because they are just are so um, desperate for playmaking and passing on their team. So uh, yeah, I think either of those directions makes sense if, if those uh, positions are available to them.
0: So zooming out a little bit, what is the direction that the bulls, are going to have over the short term, and I guess the long term, because you know you're kind of in the middle of. Well, you got some young players. You have a high pick. Maybe you know you flip it for more young players. But you said you do have some win now veterans. So what is the immediate goal here? Is it still asset acquisition? Is it make the playoffs? Is there just just kind of go with the flow? I mean, do you feel like you have a central core that that's ready to compete, or you you know would you? I, I would assume you still want that one star level player, whoever that may be, that you can be like, okay, this is our guy, let's build around him. Who, what are you building around right now?
1: Right, I mean, uh, there's <laughs> there's been a lot of pain these last couple of years. The Bulls have been so bad, and um, the payoff for that has not really been there. Like, I, I don't think that they have... I mean, I, you'd have to be kind of crazy to think that they have a franchise star on the roster right now. Uh, so I think that it's interesting because... Uh, historically the bulls have really suffered from this cognitive bias called the, the endowment effect. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but it's a tendency to overvalue what you already have. So when um, John Paxson and Gar Foreman were general managers, they would just never trade their young players because they were so concerned that they would sell low on these guys. They just wait until it was very obvious that they were not NBA players. And then finally they would, they would move on. So I think the Bulls have a huge advantage here in getting fresh eyes, guys that are not committed to anyone on the roster and I think we are going to see a lot of turnover because uh if you know if you're if you're being honest with yourself and you look at this Bulls team uh you know this this ain't it. like they're not they're not going to build towards anything uh, substantial so they they need to make major changes. I think they have good pieces to um change course really quickly and build back up. But if they just continue with the guys they have and hope for internal development, I, I don't see them, you know, making it past the second round at the peak of this, this uh, rebuild.
3: 2020 has reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes and in Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football's back.
2: You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win the season. From games, spreads, and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline, your
0: online sportsbook experts. So now that we kind of know where they lie, there are some interesting decisions coming up this this offseason. So one of them, and this is a player I'm a pretty big fan of, uh, is Chris Dunn. You know, he's a potential restricted free agent. Do you feel like he has a future in Chicago? There, You know, Zach Levine's already there. Kobe White is already there. He can presumably play with both of those guys, so that's maybe not an issue. But as you mentioned, they might take Halliburton at four, and maybe, you know, Killian Hayes is there at four. Maybe LaMelo Ball uh, is there. And so what is the future regarding Chris Dunn?
1: Yeah, I could see Chris Dunn signing his qualifying offer. It's, I don't have the number off the top of my head. It's pretty reasonable. I think it's like seven or eight million or something. Um, Dunn is a really interesting uh, player. Like he can't shoot at all. Uh, his three point misses are just horrendous. I mean, like he probably led the bulls in air balls, <laughs> Uh, on three pointers but his defense is very impactful i think that uh, a lot of people who like so nobody watched the bulls last year they're they're just really bad but the people who actually did watch the games they were the ones that put chris dunn on um all all nba defensive team ballots so i don't know how much of that too was based on the bulls scheme they ran this really gimmicky scheme uh the pelicans actually did a similar thing in the beginning of the year but they realized that you know, just doing insane amounts of blitzing was not going to work. And they scaled it back. The Bulls just ramped it up as the year continued. So I think those kind of inflated his steal numbers and his defensive impact numbers, uh, to be honest. But he definitely was a really, really good defender. The Bulls also have Shaq Harrison on their roster, who's also going to be a restricted free agent. And I think that, um, you know, Harrison is a guy that's bounced around the league. He's probably going to sign like for close to the minimum. And he's giving you 75% of what Chris Dunn is maybe uh john hollinger uh, over at the athletic he had a column recently about like the best value free agents and he said he, he really liked dunn he said that dunn is going to help a team out but he said that shaq harrison might be one of the best value signings in the league next year because he yeah he's he's very similar to dunn and he's going to be really cheap so if i were the bulls i would just prioritize signing shaq harrison and letting dunn walk i think dunn can help a team that's further on and competing but he's the kind of guy that you get you know, when you're, when you need that defensive stopper on a championship team, not when you're rebuilding and desperate for offense, you've been, you know, 29th or 30th in the league in offense the last couple of years.
0: you think the bulls buck at like a, a two sixteen $16 million deal. Would they match that?
1: Well, they have a ton of cap space in 2021. They're not gonna be able to use it all. So cutting into that cap space, I don't think is a huge issue, but, um, I just don't really see what he does for you that much to, to be totally honest. Like, yeah, I think he's a good player, but he's just not, he's not a great fit for what the bulls are doing right now.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And you know, that's, that's one of my favorite players now to kind of flip it toward the Pelican side. um, I think there's a lot of potential trade possibilities between these two players there's a lot of between these two teams. There's a lot of players I like on the bulls, um, potentially there's some players on the pelicans that the bulls would like assuming zion williamson and brandon ingram are off the table do you take a look down the pelicans roster and or you know treasure chest of picks do you see anything particular in particular that stands out that you feel like the bulls would be interested in and yeah where's your head at regarding that
1: yeah I was talking a little bit about this with Mason I think that's why he invited me on your podcast is because you guys are so <laughs> so desperate oh. to offload Lonzo there's I think a player like Lonzo needs such a specific fit in order to succeed and um, I think the bulls are that like the Bulls have nobody that can dribble or pass the ball uh, like they just let Zach Levine run their offense for most of the year last year and Levine has a lot of things going for him he's an explosive score he's terrific at making crazy threes but his core vision is, is really atrocious. I mean, they were Jim Jim Boylan said that he wanted the team to lead the league in assists. He wanted them to average 35 assists per game, which would have broken an NBA record. Uh, and I think they ended up like 26 or something. <laughs> uh, so yeah, their passing desperately needs to improve. And it's, it's also hurting their, their evaluation of these young players because a guy like Larry Markinen, he needs a lot of his baskets assisted and he did not get the ball in very good places on the court. So I think a guy like Lonzo, just give him the keys to the offense. I know that he's extremely limited, um, you know, can't get to the rim. It's free throw shooting is atrocious. I think people are sleeping on his. I would, I would actually like to ask you guys about this. Like, um, I think people are sleeping on his three-point shooting a lot. I mean, he shot like 38% last year, right, On on a pretty high amount of attempts. So at least he has that going for him, right?
0: Yeah, so I think he's underrated as a spot-up shooter. I think he's going to give you high volume and he's going to have games where he knocks down a good amount of threes. He's not a liability out there um, anymore. At least that's the hope, right? I do think that it's one of those situations where if you're in the playoffs, he's not getting, he's not going to hit 38%. And he's not going to, he's not going to get those six or seven attempts a game that he has mostly because it's, Teams are going to be a step closer to him. They're going to close out a little bit harder on him. And they know that he's not driving. He's not putting the ball on the floor. Um, If he is, you know, he's taking two steps and and passing it away. And there's a great chance for you to generate a turnover off that opportunity. So I think I still am hesitant to to say it's a playoff viable shot, but it's definitely a regular season viable shot. And that's important. That's important for teams. And I think the better kind of engine – you have of an offense um you know like if if you're on a team with Giannis you're going to get those shots right and so the more attention you can have someone else generate uh the better Lonzo is going to be both in terms of getting open looks but that's also where he functions the best as a playmaker is using someone else's leverage to tilt the defense and then finding that pinpoint pass that where that open man is that the defense can't react to Lonzo's Really, really good in that situation, and so if if the Bulls are are interested in that in uh, the restricted free agency that's soon to come, what do you think would be a fair trade?
1: Uh, well, I think I think Lonzo's value is uh, dropped pretty far. I mean, he was I think he was the number five pick, right, a couple of years ago, but he
0: was the, the second overall.
1: Okay, I mean, like clearly his his value is not a. <laughs> Measure it with a typical number two pick, but um, I don't know. I mean, the Bulls have a couple guys that they're like trying to give up on, too. I, I would like, I, I guess I would be more interested in hearing what you guys think would be a, a fair offer from the Bulls, but I think they're just, they need, like, a somebody just a short-term rental. I don't think Lonzo's going to be the guy, like, if the Bulls ever do get to be a serious contender that's going to be starting at point guard necessarily, but they just need someone who's competent who can hold the fort down for the next couple years at least.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know. Would would you do one of Carter Jr. or Markinen straight up?
1: Uh definitely not Carter. Um Markinen would be kind of a tough sell too, but I think that he is he's an extremely divisive player in Chicago. A lot of people have just totally given up on him. He had a horrendous year last year, but again, like we don't know because the point guard play has been so bad, because the coaching has been so weak, what exactly um, and is and I think it would be kind of a mistake to sell so low on the guy. When his value could not possibly get any lower um, and it could go up a lot. I mean like he was pretty good under Hoiberg so uh, I wouldn't do it. I think you could probably convince some of the Chicago fan base the, to get behind it.
0: Okay. That's a, yeah,
2: that's exactly that. And, and I've had other conversations about that exact trade uh, earlier in the, uh, in the, the off season was just the Lonzo for Mark and straight up swap. And so it's got, I feel like it has his legs. It's just, um, you know, it, it kind of the, the, based on where the team, both teams are coming from and, and um, you know, thinking about what's coming down the road, um, you know, one man's trash is another man's maybe just better, a little bit better than trash um and so i that that was the first uh, place my my head went to i'm not really sure um you know what else i think would be fair value for Lonzo. i mean you could you could talk about like packaging lonzo with the pick to try to move up but he's not getting you a four so right. i don't think that really jumps off the page
0: so i guess complete this trade uh steph lonzo um darius miller's expiring for salary uh And for Zach Levine, what what is needed to
1: complete that trade? Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) I don't have the Pelicans roster in front of me, but, I mean, you'd have to include a substantial amount of value. Like, uh, I'm not a guy who's super high on Levine, but, yeah, like, I I think there's a pretty big gap in talent there between him and Lonzo. so.
0: So, like, including the 13th overall pick, you would need more?
1: Uh, i don't know that would be interesting i would have to think about it i'm not i mean i I'm, I'm leaning towards thinking that's i mean this draft is kind of weak so it's hard to say i think i think like the pelicans are an interesting spot right because um you know the moves that they've made hiring Stan Van gundy it's not really clear what direction they're going to go in i i'm what what do you guys think like do you think they're going to try to make more of win now type moves, because in that case, like the bulls do have some veterans, as I mentioned earlier that they could give, or do you think that they're still going to buy their time and be patient under, under Griff?
0: Um, I think they're going to try to have their cake and eat it too. So like, you know, like I think it's very likely they move off drew. And so if you're moving off drew, you're not really a win now team, but the return they're going to get on drew is probably going to be a combination of players that can contribute now. And then, you know, some sort of assets that they can utilize in the future. Um, so i I definitely do think that they are they want to be good and they want to not suck like it's not going to be like we are fine just completely taking away the season uh for a a good pick i I think that they do want to compete for the playoffs short and long term but it's not i think they're not going to do it at the expense of their future per se
1: okay do you think they would? Uh, what about this, this? Doesn't quite work salary wise because um, Saturansky makes around ten ten million. I think um, Lonzo makes like seven or something. But no, I think Lonzo's around ten now. Okay. For so the, do you, the coming season. Do you think that uh, some sort of swap between those two and the Bulls could throw in some assets? Maybe you know this double draft is coming up. So a second round pick in that double draft is equivalent to like a first round grade in normal draft. Do you think that that might get it done?
3: <laughs> the
2: the Lonzo stands would revolt, and I would. Be so here for it.
1: Saderanski <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good player, so I know. I yeah, would... no,
2: I, I, I'm a I am like him. Um, I mean, I think he, I I think he does more of what the Pelicans might need. I, but it's uh, you know, it's also so hard to say because Drew Holidays traded. You know, what do you need, right? It, it's it's right. Just, it's a it's a moving target. But I mean, I, I definitely like Saderanski's game.
0: For me, yeah. I think. I think that'd be a little bit too close to be a lateral move in the sense that I sure. think the Pelicans would ri- rather ride it out with Lonzo, who does make Ingram happy, who does make Zion happy, and kind of just stick with that and and kick the can down the road to either the trade deadline or restricted free agency to you know to see what they have in them. I think there is while I think Sanarenski would be a better fit immediately. Um, I probably see the Pelicans taking the upside play on Lonzo figure out maybe he can be something that's sustainably good.
1: All right. Well, we can, uh, we can workshop some stuff and uh, tag David Griffin in there. I know he's very active on Twitter. So.
0: Oh yeah. He reads everything, everything. (laughs) Yeah. He's very, very active on Twitter.
1: But yeah, I mean, I I guess
0: enough, enough time uh, spent on, on Lonzo. Do you like from an outsider's point of view, do you feel like the Pelicans should be making a push to make the playoffs soon? Where, where do you think the what? – what is your idea of what the Pelicans should do um, for the next one or two years? How would you build that roster?
1: Well, I mean, I've been down here for a while, and um, I think it was really clear that uh, – the, the Pelicans were not being run very well before David Griffin got there, right? Like uh, Del Demps, I don't know how you guys feel about him. I I did not think he was doing a particularly good job. And obviously, I mean, I don't I don't need to rehash this stuff with you guys. Like, this is a Pelicans podcast, right? So you guys know. So I I think that uh the reason why I'm so excited about Karnashovas is I see firsthand how drastically things have changed once you get competent people in management. I think Griffin has done such a good job. So whatever he decides to do. I would have full trust that, you know, that is the right direction. Uh it seems again like what uh hiring Stan and Gundy, it seems like they're gonna try to push this thing forward quickly, which you know, I can understand the argument for taking it slow, but also you you need to be aggressive with your windows. Like they don't come around very often. So if he thinks that um that is the right way to go, then yeah, I would I definitely think he's a lot smarter than I am. So I would I would just um you know I, I used to listen to him too. he had like a you can listen to all of his thoughts when um he had this like serious radio show for a long time so that's great insight right there and he's he's a really really sharp guy so yep i would just trust in griffin
2: yeah makes uh no i i, I think that i think i think it makes sense and um you know i i feel like with stan it's I think it's as much about writing the ship from a um, from a buy in perspective. I think one of the big not biggest knocks on Gentry was he's more of a player's coach and it's kind of um, loose um, In ter- and the Pelicans conversely have a lot of a uh, lot of young guys um, who need to learn how to play in the NBA. And so, uh, you, you know, I think in that from that respect, hiring Stan is not necessarily a win now type move. It's, it's trying to get the team to play the right way. Um, and I feel like, um, you know, while they're they're not playing to tank uh, at the same time. I, I think they're, you know, it, they can make some moves to think more long-term, but also um, do everything they can when you've got Zion Williamson to, 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 to make the push. And so under, but obviously the, the thing that really underlies all of this is Western conference. Right. And so it's, that's not, making the playoffs and, and alone is not easy. And so I think, like you said, Griff, is not oblivious to that fact, and there's no reason to do anything rash now um, that will jeopardize the the long term outlook on this team
1: I, I want to ask you guys like uh, i you know I watched maybe uh, a quarter of the pelicans games. you guys definitely watched way more and more closely than I did, but from what I saw. The thing that disappointed me the most about their season last year was just Zion's defense. I thought I thought he was you know coming into the league as this impact defender that had a lot of um, uh, just a lot of yeah a lot of high impact plays on that end, and I didn't really see it. I mean, I thought he was like sleeping a lot on on defense, and that's kind of why I I also really like the Stan Van Gundy move because obviously you know Van Gundy is a great teacher of defense. So he slept. uh, What do you guys think? Yeah. I used to, yeah, I'll, uh, I saw Zion around town quite a bit. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) I don't know how much Rusty is getting
0: on. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone probably saw that defensive performance of his last season as a disappointment. I think coming off of injury and jumping right into an NBA season is about, is as about as difficult as it gets, especially Mm -hmm. for a rookie. So, I do give him a built-in excuse for that, but there is a significant improvement that needs to be made on his end, I believe, conditioning-wise and just um, his body that will hopefully translate on the defensive end. I I think that's where I want to start before I I worry about the other stuff. I mean, he's a smart guy. I believe he's going to figure it out schematically. It's just, I I need your body to be right, and I need – to be able to trust it so you can put forth effort at that end and we don't have uh, a massive defensive liability. You know, you you're, you're not Julius Randall with hops as everyone said you are, you know?
1: Well, just that one
0: scout guy, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that one scout
1: guy. <laughs> yeah. That uh, turned out to be not so accurate.
0: Right. No, I mean, I think he's still an otherworldly talent on offense despite he was, he was just out of shape and he put up a ridiculous amount of points in a very limited time that he had on the court and he applied a tremendous amount of pressure on the rim. So, you know, I I think that's only going to get better, but there, there really needs to be a concentrated focus. And I think hopefully Stan gets through to him and through to um, people around him that can make it happen, that make Zion, good on defense. I mean let's let's start with just being passable first. You know, let, let's start with being in good shape and being passable on defense and then let's progress from there. But um I think that's what, what, what that's what every Pelicans fan is waiting for is like Zion's been kind of kept out of the media ever since the bubble ended. And he was kept out of the media before they released this upper body pick of him looking like a Greek god and then that turned out to be um an elaborate catfish in a way and but this this hiatus that we've had post bubble no one's really seen him no one's really knows what he looks like um you may have you know you may have seen him around town but it's kind of this like okay you, you've had this time there's been relentless talk about this surely you are aware of, of what the, the chatter is as well let's fix this fix this you got less than three weeks before you know we hit training camp and what kind of shape is he going to come into i don't know i, I hope it's good
1: yeah, I don't think uh, Stan McGundy is going to be quite as lenient as Gentry. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever had a chance to talk to Gentry, but super nice guy. But I, I don't think he was like a real taskmaster, you know, task taskmaster.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that certainly that's certainly the the impression I think mo- most people had. And, and then one hand, like it's. I, I I feel very passionately about the fact that it's not just one man it's, it, or, or woman. It's, it's the whole staff. And I think that the Pelicans did have a very strong staff around. But, um, you know, I, I think there are certain things that you need in a, a team leader. And I think Gentry is really good at certain things and maybe not as good at others. And the things that he was good at maybe didn't translate to a team as, as young as the Pelicans were. And so uh, to your point, Stan, it uh, feels like a much better fit.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm excited.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, we're going to wrap this podcast up with asking our our favorite line of questions. Um, We're going to ask you, who are your top three favorite Bulls of all time? And Michael Jordan is off the table.
1: Oh, uh, Scottie Pippen is probably... I liked Scottie Pippen better than Jordan back in those days. Um, I was talking about my biases before. I mean, I think Scottie Pippen is the reason why I have those biases of these... uh, Hmm jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none type of players. And Tony Kukoc, too, I think he was way, way ahead of his time. I mean, he wouldn't be able to guard anyone in today's NBA, but just this uh, point forward, bombing threes. Um, the Bulls had a really um, forward-thinking team. They had Dennis Rodman playing small ball five back in those days. And, yeah, they had all these, um, you know, Pippen and Kukoc, just these point forwards. So I, I think that he, they they took advantage um, – of these these fads that you're seeing um, kind of replicated in the NBA now. So it's pretty interesting. Those two guys. And then uh, my third guy, I'm going to have to go with my guy, Cornell David. He wow. was, uh, he was uh, the original, my original Twitter handle was uh, the Hungarian Jordan. And the reason for that is because wow. the Bulls <laughs> sold this guy, Cornell David, from Hungary <laughs> as the new Michael Jordan during the Tim Floyd rebuild. And this guy was going to save the Bulls. It did not end up happening. He was terrible. (laughs) And I think that was a really good lesson that you don't tear down good teams to try to rebuild and fill the universe. You don't trade Jimmy Butler, you mean? Right, like they didn't learn their lesson at all. Like they did the exact same thing Uh, 15 years later, hired a coach from Iowa State again. And uh, it was a huge disaster. I think that that's, yeah, like I, I think the biggest downfall of franchises is the hubris of general managers and when they think that you know they're more important than the players which is yeah you need good players to win uh don't trade them away don't break up the best team of all time don't trade a top 12 player and jimmy butler and yeah you should be fine if you just follow those lessons and don't pin your hopes on cornell david
0: yeah okay well then the flip question is who are your least favorite bulls
1: Oh, least favorite Bulls. I really did not like Tony Snell back in the day. I think he actually turned into like a kind of okay player, although when his shooting's not there, it just isn't there at all. Um, Who else didn't I really like? I really didn't like Rip Hamilton because he was brought in as a savior. And this was during the time when analytics was starting to get popular and also get a lot of criticism. So you saw this guy just running around taking, you know, 15 seconds of the shot clock when he's 35 years old and shooting long twos. And I was just like, this is never going to work. And he was terrible. I mean, he was never healthy. He didn't play defense anymore. And yeah, he's just like an analytics nightmare. Um, And the Bulls actually, they made a qualifying offer that year to JJ Redick and uh, I can't remember who some other team stole him. Uh, but that would have been like such a huge dramatic uh, improvement on that that 2011 to 2015 tips bulls teams i mean they actually might have had a shot if they had Reddick instead of rip hamilton and i have a third name oh dwayne wade dwayne wade has to be on there as well, <laughs> well I and mean, he totally he totally robbed the bulls of uh i think they paid him like 48 million for 60 games so much
2: money oh my god yeah it was like guy what, just... one year partial guarantee for the second and just
1: yeah. They had to pay. I think he had a full guarantee. I mean, he took, he, he took the second year. They had to pay him out. They had to buy him out. Um, I think he gave back a little bit because he, you know, he signed a minimum minimum contract with the Cavs. So they got a, a little bit of a break there, but I mean, this guy was brought in with the premise of bringing in free agents, which I thought was like a total crock and did not end up happening. He was brought in to be a veteran mentor Bobby Portis told him to shove it during a meeting because he was telling the players to work harder, and he was sitting out of all the practices. Uh, so just like a huge hypocrite, a terrible player, uh, was terrible in the playoffs. Um, yeah, and he just robbed the Bulls blind, basically.
0: Damn, that is uh, quite the experience that the Pelicans haven't had yet. But they've had their own mishaps, and but nothing quite like bringing a, a home player home grown player back and only for it to, to fail so miserable yeah they did it thing. the next
1: year with jabari parker too so <laughs> this well, is a, a franchise well, we have jaleel
0: okafor stuff. which if you, you want you want him you <laughs> can have him it's like just wait until we uh until we
2: uh clear max cap space for paul melsop this offseason
0: <laughs> oh my goodness 30 Maybe million we can, more we can bring back greg monroe goodness
1: well all that stuff is in the past guys we're uh free of our bad general managers so so uh, we can laugh about it now
0: yeah we can laugh through the tears yeah. any any who stuff i we appreciate you coming on here um where can the people find you quickly if you want to plug your stuff where are you at how can they follow
1: you how can they subscribe uh well i'm not doing that much writing these days but i do have this free sub stack i write maybe once a month um, and then I'm doing a lot of programming projects too, which I'm tying uh, basketball into. So all that stuff is uh, I just tweeted out. My Twitter account is at Steph. No, that's S T E P H N O H. And if you want to see me in person, come down to Harris Casino. I'm there almost every day now.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. You don't got to ask me twice. All right, Steph, thank you for, for doing this with us appreciate you coming on
2: yeah thanks man
1: all right yeah thank you
0: What's up, everybody? I'm Bladen.
1: I'm Matt. And I'm Theo.
0: And we are Stay Hot, the only podcast that gives you the hottest analysis and takes on the NFL and NBA all year round.
1: I know that there's a lot of losers and haters out there who don't think three sports TikTokers can hang for a full pod, but you know we're going to prove them all wrong. We're about to dive deep into the NFL draft and are already hitting the NBA
0: playoffs. So watch Stay Hot on YouTube or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.